Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma, and the Pro Football Radio Senior Contributor, Eric Burgess, a.k.a. The Burge. Fellas, welcome in. Podcast 106. What is up, everybody? Another another week in the books. Getting down that home stretch, the playoff push for a bunch of teams, and everyone's still within basically a game of each other in the uh, win-loss column for teams that are in the hunt. But, uh, yeah, it's been a, been a wild week, and it's kind of kicked off with, like, a wild couple of days in the NFL. But how you doing, Burge? Uh, I'm doing great. Yeah, like you said, uh, we're really coming down to the wire now. We get uh, some playoff pictures coming into uh, – Coming into uh, you know front and center here, and um, well, like you said, Puma, everybody seems like they could grasp that you know those final wild card spots because everybody is right smack in the middle. So and yeah, like you said, the last few days of the NFL season with the COVID outbreaks that are being reported, uh, you know, I think Adam Schefter came out said 37 new positive tests yesterday. I think there were 25 more today, and that's with staff and players. So definitely uh, something to keep an eye on, you know, as the season comes down. The number was uh, 75 total new positive tests for COVID over the last two days, the way Adam Sheffer tweeted a little bit ago. Oh, my God. I mean, you could just look at the Browns game. I mean, even just from, like, a betting perspective for a minute. Like, yesterday, and even up until, like, a little bit today, I believe, um, the Raiders were six-point dogs. And then all the COVID news came out, and I guess, like, the Browns are kind of, like, the epicenter of it right now. That line dropped from Raiders plus six to Raiders plus three. So anyone betting the Raiders right now, one, God bless you. And two, I hope you got it early because now, like, the plus three is, like, I'm not even touching that at that point. If I was going to bet the Raiders, I would have bet it yesterday when it was plus six. But, I mean, you guys have to think. I know at the beginning of the season there was kind of that, you know, rule put in place of, you know, if unvaccinated players cause like an outbreak amongst the team and, you know, we're not going to move games, we're going to forfeit them, players aren't going to get paid. I can understand that logic, you know, at the beginning of the year, like the first maybe four or five weeks, let's say, right? But like, the, I find it very hard to believe that they're going to start post, you know, forfeiting games going into the playoff push here with how close all these teams are. I mean, let's be honest. Almost every team is involved in a playoff hunt except the New York Jets, the Houston Texans, and the Detroit Lions at this point. So maybe I'm kind of the looking through life through rose-colored glasses guy thinking they'll just move they'll move games to get it done because they have flexibility with them moving the Super Bowl kind of deal. But like, I don't, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, but that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at that list of players that the Browns lost, who with you know headlined by Austin Hooper and Jarvis Landry, who were both very good on Sunday. I know this because they ended my fantasy playoff season uh, this this week. We'll get to that later. But you look at all these these names, and you know they had an outbreak last week too, where they were they had three players on the list. And the thing that's kind of frightening about this Browns outbreak is that all the eight players that they placed on the COVID list this this week. All of them tested positive for the virus. None of them are close contacts. They all tested positive for the virus. Mm. That is that is something that's very concerning. And like you said, Puma, it's gonna it very well could affect these teams that are making that final playoff push down the stretch here. Yeah, and then it looks like the league on Monday sent out a memo, uh, essentially saying I'll read the memo here itself. Uh, a part of it. it says in accordance with the CDC recommendation, all tier one and tier two staff 
who have previously been vaccinated and are eligible under the CDC guideline must receive a booster shot no later than December 27th. So basically the league um, is trying to do whatever it can to get those guys, you know, in tier one and tier two, who I assume are probably going to be facing and, you know, meeting with the players on a regular basis, try to get those guys boosted up. Yeah, I right. mean, it's... Exactly. They, absolutely. They, they they absolutely should. I mean, at this point, like, they, they're going to have to do everything they can to protect their product down the stretch here because you have some very enticing matchups, uh, you know, in these last, what, four or five weeks that are going to have, you know, determine the, you know, the positioning of the playoffs. And you don't want the product to be negatively impacted by, by this virus any more so than it, you know, it was last year, you know, and all that. Yeah. Right. And to play kind of devil's advocate here, like, well, not really devil's advocate, I guess you should say, but like just throwing the question, like tier one and tier two, that's like for staffing and whatnot for each team, but the league and the union have to collectively bargain per se to have players get booster shots at this point. Do you guys think that the NFL and the union are going to come together in an agreement of by this date, all players that are vaccinated need to receive a booster to be considered fully vaccinated still? I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I got my booster last Thursday. I had very little side effects, if any at all. I just felt tired. I took a nap on the couch and just watched Daredevil on Netflix. But that's not the same, buddy. Like, do you guys think that they would actually do that down the playoff stretch, thinking that worst case, you're going to have players with mild side effects that may not be available? Do you think they'll just ride it out with the two shots, or do you think they're going to make players get boosters? I mean, personally, I think that they're going to they're going to come to some sort of agreement here. I mean, there's ways that they can time these these booster shots to where they're not going to impact games. They may have to sit out of practice. Like, but like, let's just say they go on a Monday after a game to get the shot. You know, you may be knocked out the next day on Tuesday, but you're back for practice Wednesday, you know, that kind of thing. I, 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 they, they, they were very big on this, you know, going into the season with, you know, players being vaccinated. And if you're not vaccinated, then, you know, we're going to kind of make your life, you know, a living hell to, you know, be on the sidelines and you'll have to wear the mask everywhere and this and that. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they do it now to protect their product? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, no matter where you stand on the on the vaccine debate on this, I mean, if the NFL wants to protect their product and this is how they see fit to do it, I don't think that you know, given the fact that they're they're in season now, will will factor that much into the, into the decision. Yeah, yeah, I think eventually they're gonna get to a point where you but you spent you said a spot on man. I mean, they got protective product, right? So how do you protect the product? You basically get these guys boosted up, uh, the players, and you make sure they're as safe as possible from the from the uh, from the COVID. So, you know, I I think it was Brady that said this before the season started. This year, COVID will have a bigger ramification than last year, just because last year everything was so locked down that the whole country was still mm-hmm. in in the you know the firestorm of what COVID was, and the NFL had some pretty strict policies in play. Now there's some more liberty and freedoms, right? People are more out and about. It, it seems like this upcoming you know uh, winter is going to be a fairly aggressive time for the COVID to spread just because of how cold it is and people aren't about. And, you know, it's something that's definitely going to play uh, into the factor of uh, the playoffs and who's going to eventually come out on top. Um, you know, 
I I don't know how what the general sentiment is with these guys in the NFL uh, in regards to the booster. I know most of them, for the most part, was it like 97% of all NFL players have been vaccinated. So I think they wouldn't be opposed to putting the booster in their body as well. But you can always have that that idiot like Kyrie Irving who wants to get like a vegan booster or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. This is true. You guys heard that story, yeah, right? About how oh, Kyrie yeah. Irving wanted the, the vegan yeah. booster. All right, man. Best of luck with that. <laughs> Well, it's let's also, just, you got to think of it this way, kale. Kyrie. Let's just shoot some kale into my body and see what happens. <laughs> right. I mean, Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, is just trying to be the prince of the NFL. But that, yeah. that's just me. I, I'm probably in the minority of that, that hot take. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you think there's any scenario, like if this COVID outbreak continues to grow and, you know, you had 75 this week, maybe it's 120 next week for, you know, God forbid. Do you think there's a scenario where the NFL owners and everybody come to some sort of agreement where they start limiting fans again? Or do you think that that ship is not going to happen? I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're already crying poor about the They were crying poor about the salary cap this year. I saw a tweet from uh, Ian Rappaport at Rap Sheet on, uh, on Twitter, uh, one of the, the big you know breaking news reporters uh, of the NFL. Um, I think he was kind of floating the salary cap number out there. I just didn't really get a chance to look at it. I, I didn't know if he was trying to plant the ground that the cap may still be lower, which I thought was comical because every game I've seen has been a, a sellout crowd. But, mm-hmm. um, no, I, I don't think they're going to limit the fans here. I think they're, they're still going to, you know, they're, they're still going to have fans in the stands. They may, you know, I guess best case – you start having people get boosters worst case and by people i mean players uh you get have them get boosters worst case you know you just have the super restrictive uh, covid protocols in place regardless of vaccination status you're wearing masks in the facilities maybe mm-hmm. some days the team meetings are through zoom you cut down on act you know live practices kind of deal but no way they're, they're not gonna let money just walk out the door like they did last year yeah you know, it, uh, go ahead go ahead I was just going to say, it doesn't seem like that these outbreaks are being caused by fans. It sounds like it's something that's exactly. within, within you know, the clubhouse of the organization and that, you know, the only, the only scenario I would ever see them limit fans again is if, you know, the public health, you know, got into that emergency state that we were in last year where it's like, oh boy, everything's shutting down again. Right. Yeah. And uh, I have those numbers in front of me here. It looks like the, the new projected salary cap for 2022 is going to be $208 million, uh, 0.2. Uh, that is $26 more million than this year at 182.5. Um, and that's a fairly large jump, $26 million, right? I mean, if you go off of previous trends, um, you know, it was 198 in 2020 and it went down because of COVID. But before that, in 2019, it was 188. Um, 177 in 2018, 167 in uh, 2017. So you're seeing small incremental uh, increases of $10 million or so. Uh, but looks like they jumped $26 million this, uh, this year. Good. Yeah, love those new TV deals, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, all right, do you guys want to get into the uh, Week 15 preview? Yeah, let's yeah, get into the Week 15 preview. We got no, no, no. doubleheaders on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, we got Thursday we night football. We got Sunday. We got, we got fantasy so football loser lounges. Let's freaking get this train back on the tracks. We got we got so many good games, especially in prime time. You got the Monday night game last night, Thursday night game. 
You've got the Saturday night game, and then you've got the Sunday night game. You got four primetime games this week alone. I mean, there's only three weeks, three days out of the week where uh, you don't have games on. So let's start with Thursday night football. We've got the nine and four Kansas City Chiefs going out to SoFi to take on the eight and five Los Angeles Chargers. Um, these teams met in week two, and the Chargers went into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. Uh, this is probably going to be for the AFC West title. Whoever wins this game is probably going to have a stronghold on that division. Um, so with that being said, Puma, let me turn it over to you first. Who do you got to win this game? I'm going to go with the Chargers. I got the Chargers in this game. Uh, they beat the Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead uh, earlier in the season. So if they sweep Kansas City, they, they got the tiebreaker already. They'll be in the, the division lead, if I understand correctly here. Uh, but, you know, I, I like the Chargers are at home. Um, granted, there really isn't much of a home field advantage at SoFi Stadium <laughs> at the moment. But I do think, like, you know, moving forward and, like, say, the next season or two, because they actually have a franchise quarterback that they can get behind and they can sell sell tickets for. I mean, we all saw that 64-yard bomb he threw to, to Guyton in the end zone against mm-hmm. the New York Giants before halftime on Sunday. I mean, this kid's got a cannon. I was wrong about him coming out of Oregon in the draft. Um, but I, I like them in the spot. They're going to be getting um, Keenan Allen back off of COVID, off the COVID list. He missed last week's game because he tested positive. Uh, Mike Williams, he's going to be playing. I think he was a close contact last week, but neither here nor there. He should be active. Austin Eckler, he was banged up, but he was uh, he had a pr- appearance at practice today. Um, I, I like them in the spot. The early look ahead, Kansas City was favored by four. That line dropped down to Kansas City minus three. Uh, with uh, news of some of the players from the Chiefs get, being uh, put on the COVID list, mainly uh, Josh Gordon, I believe Chris Jones was on the COVID list either yesterday or today. I'm not sure what their vaccination status is, but like given a short week, uh, I, I kind of find it hard that they're going to be back in time to get here. And you also have to think like Josh Al. Um, Josh Gordon, rather, he's you know he's in the wide receiver room. He's you know in close contact with Tyree Kill and whatnot. Like it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Maybe more people in that wide receiver room uh, may be a, a close contact at this point. But um, I like I like the Chargers in this game. I think it's going to be close. I think if the Kansas City Chiefs are going to you know keep it close, have that offense kind of start churning. They started looking like the team that we saw you know like last year. They were you know, having dynamic plays down the field. Uh, CEH, uh, you know, Edwards Elaire and Daryl Williams. I think they're going to get involved just because of how bad the rush defense is for the Chargers. But long story short, I love the Chargers at home here. I think they're going to, you know, start locking up the, the AFC West. And uh, I never thought I'd say this. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a, a wild card team with the Kansas City Chiefs. So give me the Chargers plus the points, winning outright. The over-under, I think, has been hovering around 50 and a half, 51. I kind of like the over in this game, but yeah, give me the Chargers. Yes, yeah, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Chiefs here. Uh, you know, even getting the three point, uh, laying the three points in this game. You know, watching I watched that game on Sunday against the against the Las Vegas Raiders. Boy, are the Raiders an absolute train wreck. We'll get to them in the in the next preview. Um, Kansas City's defense has really come on, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, I remember Jay, you brought it up. Way earlier in the season, Puma, we talked about the addition of Melvin Ingram at the trade deadline. I was not a believer in the Chiefs' defense, and boy, they proved me wrong. They've been unbelievable over the course of this winning streak that they've been on. Um, you know, I think that, you know they had the fumble in the first play of the game uh, for a touchdown, and it was all smooth sailing from that point. I think we can all agree the Raiders are 
in a bit of disarray at this point. But, you know, the Chiefs are rolling right now. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes and that offense is finding ways to move the ball without always targeting the, you know, the deep ball. And Patrick Mahomes seems to have corrected a little bit in terms of uh, his decision-making to, to not just air it out down the field where he's, he's taking those checkdowns. Um, like you guys said, this is a battle for the, you know, AFC West. As much as I would, I want the Chiefs to lose, I'm not going to pick against them here. Um, the Chargers have been inconsistent, you know, over the course of points this year. Um, you know, if they if they if they pull this win off, I'll, you know, I'll be a believer in them. You know, to you know at least win a playoff game or potentially make a run in the playoffs. But uh, as it stands right now, give me the Chiefs laying the three points uh, on the road. Uh, Parker's first pick of the week, he agrees. He says uh, Chiefs are going to win. Nice, nice. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've also got the Chiefs winning. Um, as much as I love the Chargers and as much as I am a fan of Justin Herbert, that's well documented. He's my second favorite quarterback at the moment in the, at the, moment in the NFL for Tom Brady. I just, I just don't think they have enough to take on this well-balanced Chiefs team, right? The Chargers win in one way and one way only, and that's if Justin Herbert throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns. That's it. And besides that, they can't stop anybody. You know, yeah, they had a little bit of a decent showing against uh, the Giants, but it's Mike Lennon, right? So that defense is atrocious. Like, their one defense is ranked 30th in the, in, the, in the NFL. And on the other hand, the Chiefs, man, they're playing really good football right now. They've been averaging, they've been giving up 13.1 points on defense since week six, which is the best in the NFL. You know, close second to that is the Patriots 13.5 and the Dolphins are 16.8. Um, but they're playing good defense. They can they can win in a multitude, um, you know, uh, different ways. Um, they can throw the ball. They can run the ball. They can play good defense. I'm really excited to see what this Chiefs team is going to do and how the Chargers kind of stack up against them on Thursday night. Uh, but at the moment, I just don't have any faith in the Chargers slowing down uh, this team. But, you know, if you guys have a fantasy play, especially in the playoffs, I think with how bad that Chargers defense is, I would definitely start Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Um, you know, a lot of this comes down to does Andy Reid want to run the ball, which obviously it's uh, something he doesn't like to do. But if he does run that ball on Thursday night, he's going to have great success on the ground. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and basically for the, from the Patriots angle of it, right, like we definitely need the Chargers to beat the Chiefs, um, which would be great. But I just, I mean, I just, I just don't see it, man. The Chiefs are just starting to become very scary. They're starting to become that, that juggernaut that we thought they were going to be. Um, you know, we'll get to the Raiders, like you said, Burge in a second. But it's just, it's just one of those things where I'm scared of this team right now. <laughs> you know, the Chiefs are looking good, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely from the Patriots' standpoint, man, I, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope my kid is wrong on this one because, you know, a Chargers win here against the Chiefs goes a long way for, for the Patriots uh, down the stretch. Yeah. yeah, do you think, uh, you know, at the moment, obviously, we're all Patriots fans, and I'll ask Puma this because he can become a little more objective on this. Puma, do you see the Chiefs as being the it team to beat in the NFL? Obviously, I think we all think fairly little of the, the Buffalo Bills right now. So all signs seem to be pointing towards, you know, the AFC Championship going through the uh, through Garrett ahead. I think so. I mean, right now, the, the Kansas City Chiefs are kind of the embodiment of the Undertaker gift popping out of the casket. Like, we all wrote them off. Everybody wrote them off. I wrote them off, like, you know, week four, week five, when they just looked like absolute doo-doo. Uh, with the defense, Mahomes was just off kilter. He, he didn't see the same kind of deal. Uh, but no, I, I definitely think they're the team to beat uh, at this point in the in the in the AFC uh, conference here. Uh, it's it's definitely going to be interesting. Uh, the, to me, I think they're going to have to win out, just considering how hot the the New England Patriots have been over the last couple of weeks. 
Um, but I, I definitely think they are going to be kind of the Mike Tyson in his early days where, you know, fighters were signing contracts that guaranteed like $30,000 for every minute they stayed up and around against <laughs> kind of deal. So that's kind of where I'm at with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that right now they're kind of the class of the division, despite how slow of a start they had. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm kind of there with you. I'm kind of there with you. They're the one team in the AFC that really truly scares me, which is why, you know, I think it's so critical that the Patriots end up winning out this season so that they can secure that, that a the bye week and b the home field where you know Kansas City would have to come to them versus the Patriots having to go in Arrowhead. Yeah, yeah, and listen, we you know this is a vital time, and then we'll get to the Patriots here in a second. But you know, if the Patriots win out, like they essentially control the destiny here. Like, they can't slip up as much as, you know, maybe we'll talk about this from the Patriots uh, when they come around, but it's the point now where the Patriots control the destiny and the Kansas City Chiefs need some help. they got to win out as well, but they're going to need a, a loss from the Patriots to uh, to overtake that number one spot. But, you know, let's move on to the 6-7 uh, and seven Las Vegas Raiders taking on the 7-6 <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Looks like the Raiders, by all accounts, are, are crumbling <laughs> as we speak. Uh, they had a pretty bad outing against the Chiefs on Sunday. They lost 48 to nine was the final score, and then the Cleveland Browns are coming off of a win against the Ravens. Uh, kind of an interesting game against the Ravens. They were up twenty four to three at one point, um, and then the Ravens came all the way back without Lamar Jackson as well and made an interesting game, but they held on at the end. So with that being said, Puma, let me start with you. Who do you got winning that Raiders game? Well, oh, sorry, Cleveland, Cleveland despite. Despite all the COVID issues, I'm going to go with Cleveland only because of the fact of I'm just going to rewind the tape to beginning of, you know, last week's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yannick and Gakwe and company <laughs> think it's a great idea in Arrowhead to just have a team meeting at the 50 yard line. And I saw that uh, I was watching it while I was at work and I was like, OK, this is interesting. I hope they actually come out and put up a fight this game. And they put up nine points. So, like, if if you're going to do that, you better back that shit up. And, like, you clearly didn't. You got railroaded uh, in the 1 o'clock window against the Kansas City Chiefs. This this Raiders team, you know, with all the off-the-field issues, Burge, we, we did a, a little mini breakdown of, like, this team and kind of died, you know, looked ahead to see where they were going to go after the Henry Ruggs situation, you know, you you said this was going to be like kind of a cratering of the season moment. I thought they might have been able to rally around. Clearly, I was wrong. Um, it, it's just I have no faith in the Raiders right now. I mean, you're down 35 nothing going into halftime. You kick a field goal. At that point, you might as well just go for it in the end zone. The play calling is, you know, horrid at best. Uh, Rick Bisaccia, you know, God bless him as a special teams guru uh, for his years in the NFL. But it's just this team is on until, you know, who knows if Derek Carr is going to be there next year. You know, Darren Waller, I'm honestly not expecting him to play this week, uh, just given the knee injury stuff. Uh, and this offense is really one dimensional when when Darren Waller is not out there. It's just give the ball on a Renfro and, and just hope like, you know, the other team just shoots himself in the foot kind of deal. Um, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns in this situation, despite all the COVID outbreak scenarios. Um, I think against the secondary kind of deal, despite Casey Hayward being out there, um, I think Baker Mayfield may end up hooking up for a touchdown with uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I think they're going to be able to air it out a bit. Nick Chubb is going to be probably the primary back with maybe Ernest Johnson uh, filling in the Kareem Hunt role because Kareem's doubtful with an ankle injury. 
He uh, he hurt that last week against the uh, the Ravens, but you know with how how much of a dumpster fire this is, like COVID or not, give me the Cleveland Browns at home, still alive in the in the playoff hunt at this point. Uh, but that's that's what I got. Uh, Puma, I'm gonna agree with you 100 percent on this. I that that uh, logo gathering that the Raiders had at the beginning of that game was such an embarrassment. Seeing how they came out to start that game. <laughs> With the the fumble return for a touchdown, it, you could tell it was over at that point. Uh, the Raiders, if if your name's not Hunter Renfro, you're not getting the ball from Derek Carr without Derek Waller out there. I mean, I think he accounted for for I think it was five or six of the first like eight completions that Derek Carr threw in that game. And granted, Hunter Renfro is a beast. I'm a big fan of him. Uh, you know, I love the way he plays, but you can't win a game when you're focusing on one guy like that, and you really don't have anybody else out there. Uh, I'm, I'm very disappointed in what we've seen out of Brian Edwards uh, this year. I was pretty high on him coming into the season. Figured he, uh, you know, he beat out John Brown for that second wide re- or third wide receiver role in that offense. Uh, now he's the number two technically because Henry Ruggs is no longer in the picture, and he just has been a ghost. He hasn't been anywhere, and um, you know. The Browns, they, they're they fighting for the division title here. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying it, but, like, they're right there. That division is completely falling apart and is wide open for who can win that division. The Ravens are reeling. They may be without Lamar this week. We don't, we're don't. we not sure. We'll, we'll get to that later in their game preview. Um, the Steelers are the Steelers, and the Bengals are going to bangle, as we always joke about. So that division's there for the taking. They, they need to continue winning. Uh, I like the Browns here, minus, you know, given the three points as well. Parker sees something, though. I think he's going with the Raiders. So and maybe he Oof. thinks that uh, they're going to see some more COVID outbreaks for the Cleveland Browns over the next few days. But I tell God you what, man. Him. If the Raiders somehow beat the Browns, oh, my God, all of Cleveland's going to crumble. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I got the Cleveland Browns winning this game, but mostly because they have to, because of a lot of smoke that's coming out of Cleveland. This, and, and this story kind of got buried a little bit, but it came out earlier this week that, you know, Baker Mayfield and Stefanski had a little bit of a, you know, they didn't see eye to eye. Some of the players in the locker room kind of side with Baker and the fact that, you know, they play calling a little too conservative. So there seems to be this uh, these stories coming out of Cleveland that, that seem to suggest that maybe Stefanski and Baker aren't on the same page. And I wonder if this is coming out because, you know, maybe Stefanski sees that Baker isn't that guy, right? I mean, he's been playing at an up-and-down pace, and a lot of it has been because of injury this year. But you're starting to, you know, I, I have this feeling that maybe Stefanski's seeing that Baker just isn't that guy, the guy that he wants to build around. So I think this is a must-win for Baker and, and the Browns, and the, the, the division is wide open, especially with the injuries that the Baltimore Ravens are stacking up with. Um, and the Bengals just lost to the 49ers, so this is a little bit of a this is a little bit of a must win for the Browns. But I want to ask you guys, what do you guys think is going to happen? And obviously, this is in the future, but do you think Baker Mayfield is going to be the long term solution in Cleveland? Right? I mean, they're going to have to come around to his contract here eventually and make a decision on him. Um, and a lot of general sentiment here in Ohio is that Baker just doesn't seem to be that guy that they're looking for. I mean, I'll just come out and say that, you know, I don't think Cleveland Brown fans can be too picky when it comes to the quarterback at this point. Baker is by far the best quarterback that they've had, and I know that's not saying much in quite some time. So I think that he's he, he's going to get another contract, whether it's just uh, – they, they have did they make a decision on his fifth year or is that this year? No, that's this year. It's this yeah. year. So I, they're going to make a decision. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt he's going to get the fifth-year option here and maybe that they – they, they try to dive into the draft this year or next year to find the next guy. But, 
I mean, who else? Who are they going to replace him with at this point? That's that's the kind of place I look at. I mean, he's an effective guy when he's out there. Uh, maybe they need to tailor a little bit more towards him. I don't know if that's the case. I don't. I'm not in Ohio, so I don't follow like you know the Browns as closely as you might, Jay, being up there. But it seems like they might need to tailor a little bit more to him, kind of like Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson, maybe to a lesser scale. But the, he's the best quarterback that they've seen in, in what. In 15 years, maybe in the history of the, of the new Cleveland Brown franchise, I'm not even sure at that point, but I don't think they've really had anybody. You get, you know, there's always a joke about the jersey that has the names that just keep getting crossed off and they keep putting a new name on it. I mean, I think Baker's probably the best one that's come through, uh, you know, since that's happened. Well, well, the general sentiment here in Ohio is, you know, yeah, in the past they've been a revolving door for quarterbacks, but a lot of that comes down to the fact that nobody wanted to go play for a crap team and a crap roster. I mean, at the moment, you know, before the season started, we were talking about the Browns having potentially the best roster top to bottom, and they still have a lot of talent, even though Odell has departed for the season. There's still a lot of talent on that offense and that defense. And my thought process is, let's say you don't move forward with Baker, and obviously, you know, I don't think one of the big guys like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson is going to be, you know, happy to play in Cleveland. But let's say you go after a Jimmy G, right? Let's say he comes loose. Uh, somehow, you know, they move on with Trey Lance and Jimmy G's in the market. Wouldn't, wouldn't you guys feel better with Jimmy G in that offense than what Baker Mayfield has shown this year? Well, you might feel better with Kenny Pickett out of Pitt in the NFL draft. Yeah, no lie. Point. Kenny you know Pickett, what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly, like, yeah. You know, like, here's my thought. <clears throat> I think I think they're going to pick up the 50-year option. I do think they're going to target a quarterback in the draft. I'm not sure where the Cleveland Browns slot right now in the NFL draft. If it was today, I'm going to guess it was probably in the 15 to 20-ish range. But, uh, I mean, if I was a betting man, which clearly I am, just haven't been that great this season, but um, I would <laughs> – so you... hey, I'm very self-aware. I'm a self-aware guy. I put it all out there. But, I mean, honestly, you might as well just take another – take a shot in the draft and maybe get yourself a Kenny Pickett or you get yourself a, a – a, I forget the guy's first name, but he's out of Nevada. His last name's Strong. Uh, I, I know he's had, like, issue, uh, knee issues – uh, during his career at Nevada and whatnot, or hell, even like a Matt Corral. Like, you know, if you just want to be a run-heavy team and live off of play action, and we've all seen Corral run the football at Ole Miss, uh, that would definitely fit the kind of dynamic that Kevin Stefanski's trying to do out there. So why pay in agency when you can get another rookie contract on the books? You're only on the hook for an injury guarantee with Baker's 50-year option. And say if he does ball out, and other teams are singing the quarterback blues, you flip Kenny Pickett or Corral or whoever uh, as as trade bait in the draft or at the trade deadline the following season. That's kind of how I would play it out. Yeah. And I think you got to point to that Kenny Pickett um, angle just because, you know, I've, uh, I haven't have delved deep into this just yet. And to be 100% with you guys, this quarterback class is going to be a fairly weak one. But Kenny Pickett has started making some waves the last, I would say, four or five weeks. And a lot of it comes down to the fact that these scouts are just looking for somebody to be able to draft. And, and he just fits all the build with his physical, you know, stature. He's like 6'3", 220 pounds, you know, good arm. He has good, uh, you know, uh, pocket mobility. And on top of that, the biggest thing with him is he's very clutch in the big moments. It seems that, you know, Pitt has played some fairly close games this year and he seems to always come up big. And I truly like him a lot better than Matt Carroll just because Matt Carroll comes from an offense that is meant to produce big numbers. So I, I think that if I'm the Browns and... 
what I've seen so far, like I just I just don't think he is worth the headache. I mean, everything that comes with Baker Mayfield, the fact that he was chirping a little bit and putting the stuff out there about I was not seeing eye to eye with Stefanski, and Stefanski has come out and you know, you know, essentially put that to bed and put that fire out. It just seems like there's always something with Baker Mayfield, and if he had more stability and better leadership at that position, I feel like this Browns team could just take off and potentially be that Super Bowl team that we thought they were going to be in the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the uh, nine and four New England Patriots taking on the seven and six Indianapolis Colts. Both teams are coming off of a bye, and this seems to be a fairly big game for the Colts because uh, they're in the playoff hunt right now and they're outside looking in, so they gotta win this game. So, with that being said, Puma, let me start with you first. Who do you gotta win this game? I'm gonna go off the reservation here. I'm gonna go with the Indianapolis Colts at home. Uh, Who's this I like man? The- Shocker. I like the, I like the Colts here. They're at home. You know they're coming off a bye. Even if they, you know, even though they're on a bye week, they they won because before kickoff with the Bills Buccaneers game, they're on the outside looking in. The Bills lost. They moved up from like I think it was the eighth eighth spot outside looking in up to six because everything is so log jammed in the AFC. Mm-hmm. But I mean, let's be honest. At, at this juncture in the season. This is probably the best running back that the New England Patriots are have faced up until this point. And Jonathan Taylor, I, this guy is a beast. Uh, you know, if if you could give an MVP award to a running back at this point, uh, it would have to be Jonathan Taylor, just because Derrick Henry was out with the you know the broken foot kind of deal. Uh, but I, I just I just like Indy at this spot. You know, I know Bill is going to want to take away John. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor made Carson Wentz want to beat him through the air. But, like, my thought here is, yeah, on the road, New England's getting two and a half points. Indianapolis is favored. Um, but, I mean, we haven't seen Mac Jones, like, throw a team back into a game. And my thought is, like, what happens if the Colts somehow get up big? I'm not saying they're going to rush for, you know, five total touch, uh, five total touchdowns, four of them on the ground with Jonathan Taylor. But what if they're in like a 17-3 hole going into halftime because the Colts defense is good and plus Ryan Kelly for the Indianapolis Colts on the offensive line is going to be back off the COVID list. What happens if New England's in a bit of a hole? Before when they're in the lead or it's a close game, New England could just lean on that defense, make you one-dimensional. You're going to have to throw the football and they're just going to run the football down your throat with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. I just haven't seen... Uh, the rookie, I haven't seen Mac Jones just throw him into a game yet. So I'm, I'm going to lean New uh, Indianapolis at this point. It's going to be one of my bets this week. Uh, but I got Indy laying the two and a half at home and, and keeping their playoff hopes alive and potentially maybe winning the AFC South because the Tennessee Titans are hot garbage right now, even though they've been playing a crap teams kind of deal. So give me Indy at home. Puma, haven't you heard we have uh, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning reincarnate in Mac Jones? What, what is? But what even is, even what in his rookie down, year, like what is 10, 10 points or twenty points doesn't matter. We got we got the next Tom Brady. We good man. Oh God, you know, get, just give me give me Carson Wentz, and you know he's just gonna have to be with the ball, especially with Ball Hawk and J.C. Jackson back there. Like you can't have Carson Wentz short circuit throws where he just throws it into traffic and just says somebody's got to be out there. Um, so that's that's where I'm at in life. You didn't. You didn't want to change your betting fortunes uh, with this game. You just want to keep uh, keep taking those L's. Is that is that is that what it is? Honestly, honestly, like if the other side of this thing, I, I was probably going to throw New England in a teaser and tease them up 
through like the seven key number of a touchdown and probably get them at like eight and a half. I just really didn't see a team that I wanted to pair them with because all the other games on the board are like hot garbage. So I'll just take my chances with Indianapolis at home laying two and a half. So now, now if I'm, am I correct? And, uh, and I don't keep up with this Puma, so please correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't, wasn't there a major swing? Wasn't the Patriots favorite at one point or do I have that wrong? No, so it was plus one, I, I think, at one point. It oh, was okay. plus one, and then a lot of sharp money out in Vegas started piling on the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so that's why it's kind of hovering at like two and a half. But, I mean, let's be honest. This is going to New England is going to be a very, very public team in the betting market. I think they're going to be hoping to get New England plus three, which at that point, maybe I might jump back in on the New England side and hope, like, you know, game ends on a field goal and I cover both sides. Um, but that's kind of why the line shifted to Indianapolis minus two and a half. Mm. Well, I, I, I'm obviously going to go with my Patriots here to win this game coming off a bye. The Patriots under Bill Belichick have been very, very good uh, uh, after a bye week. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor, obviously – He's my pick for the MVP. I mean, you know, I, I'm going to be the contrarian to go away from the quote-unquote quarterback award. Um, he's been an absolute beast for this Colts team. He's carried them on, you know, on his back, his legs, however you want to look at it, through you know a number of their games. Obviously, he was huge in the big win against Buffalo up in, up in Buffalo. Um, so he's definitely a you know the number one concern for the Patriots defense. Uh, I have ultimate faith in the Patriots. You know, Bill Belichick and the coaching staff to come up with a scheme to limit his impact while trying to make Carson Wentz, uh, you know, make mistakes, make, make bad decisions, trick him into making some bad throws for, like you said, Puma, the ball hawk, JC Jackson back there. Um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, you're right. We haven't seen Mac Jones, you know, a come from behind to, you know, win a game or B really have to put the game on his back to win. So that's, that's like the one question mark that we still haven't seen in my opinion out of Mac Jones. Uh, for this team, I just I don't think that the team is going to be in a position where uh, on this Saturday night where he's going to need to do that. I believe that the defense is going to carry them. They're going to win the way that they've been winning all year. They're going to run the ball. They're going to be smart with their play action and their passing game. And, you know, for me, I think they're going to come out the victors here. I think they're going to win outright, um, you know, continue their win streak. Um, Puma, you'll be happy to know Parker disappointed me and picked the Colts to win this game. So you're going to drop him off at a fire station and be like, take my not kid? Yet. Not, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. And you'll know why. You'll know why. Make him sleep outside. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the Patriots to win here as well, man. Uh, I've, I said this after the Browns game. I just don't see this team losing again. I thought the one the one uh, you know place they were going to lose, that was going to be up in Buffalo, but that didn't happen. So I think they're going to win. They're the better team all the way around. And while I love the Annapolis Colts and their story, and they definitely need this win more than the Patriots do, um, I just I just think that the uh, you know the Patriots is just too much for that Colts team. I think top to bottom they're a better team. And like you said, Puma, the one thing that cannot happen and their best way of their best way of winning this game is getting a lead early. If they get a lead of like ten points in the second quarter or by halftime, and you got to put the game in Max hands, I think there's a high chance that the Colts will win that game. Um, but the question I want to ask you guys is obviously I know going in Bill Belichick's gonna do whatever he can to stop Jonathan Taylor, right? But in the passing attack, if he had to limit one um, player, would it be, I assume, Michael Pittman that he wants to put his his main focus on, correct? Yep. 
yeah. So from absolutely. from a from a fantasy aspect, should should pl- should you know people that have uh, Michael Pittman as the, on their team, should they be starting him or should they be benching him this week? Put it this way: If I was in my playoffs, I have you know my four receivers. I have Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, DK Metcalf, and then I have Hunter Renfro and Michael Pittman. I'm fading Michael Pittman hard mm-hmm. this week because I believe that they are going to eliminate him. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's been a boomer bust uh, kind of guy the past few weeks. He hasn't been, you know, totally involved uh, with the Colts. So, I, I, for me, it's an easy decision. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be playing Michael Pittman this week. Yeah, don't and- worry. Mills is going to be on Ty Hilton, and the ghost is going to run all over his ass. <laughs> don't start. And looking forward, if somehow the Colts lose this game and they end up at seven and seven, their game after that is the Cardinals out in out in uh, Arizona, which is a hard place to win. Then they got the Raiders, which should be an easy one, and the Colts an easy win. So they've got two hard games and two easy games. But I think at this point in the season, it seems to be a must-win week in and week out for the Colts. Mm-hmm. I mean, after looking at Arizona last night, they suck at home. So you know <laughs> that might be a win for the for the Colts at this point. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I, I get where you're coming from, and like on paper, yes, if uh, this is a must win at this point, because just look at the rest of the schedule, you do have those those two tough games there. So uh, definitely, definitely got to win out, and I, I think that they have to win here. And I think they're uh, my boy Frank Reich is uh, gonna find up some find some magic for for the old man. Yeah, how Peter do you raid? Yeah, and, and you, you do have a point, though. I mean, Frank Reich is the guy that mastermind that offense that put up, was it, 41 with uh, Nick Foles in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. So you do have a point there. Um, but my, my question is, in regards to Carson Wentz, and you watch him a lot, Puma, how is he against zone? And, and obviously that's a, that's a question that, you know, I, I come out of some angle because the, the Bill Belichick and, and the Patriots are running some heavy zone concepts right now. And their whole, you know, scheme on defense is trying to get pressure with the front four and dropping eight, uh, seven into coverage. What's your thoughts on him against zone and this and this defense from the Patriots? I think it's really going to come down to, like, the disguises type of deal. I think he might get fooled into thinking that he has a, a, a window in zone and it's just going to kind of pop up. I mean, we, we saw it a little bit against the Tennessee Titans. And, Grant, like, the Titans at the time, even though Bud Dupree, I think he was healthy at that moment, like, they weren't, like, the world beaters on the defensive side of the ball throughout the whole season at that point. But they still found ways to have – Carson went short circuit when the game was on the line. And, you know, that's from the Mike Rabel, you know, Shane Belichick for X amount of years. So I think he's going to be able to take some things from that game and scheme up some disguises and whatnot to throw Carson Wentz off. So I think zone might be a little bit of an adventure uh, kind of situation, but it's, it's really going to come down to, is Frank Reich going to be able to just look at Carson Wentz and be like, listen, just don't do anything stupid with football. If there is nothing there, just throw it away or find your check down, especially if it's like third down type of situations with like your safety valve and like Naheem Hines. Like just take the check down, like live to fight another day. You don't have to play hero ball. Yeah. 
And if they somehow bring out the Philly special as the indie special and they convert, I'm going to throw my fucking phone against the wall. What would you do if, Jack, if, if Sergeant Jack Doyle throws a touchdown pass to Carson Wentz on that friggin' special play? I'm going to be, oh, dude, you think, you think I'm gonna I have it out? I'm going to punch a hole in my TV. Yeah, you think I have it out for Belichick now? I'd be like, dude, you saw this two years ago. Like, we all know he's going to run it. It's just a different name now. It's called Indie Special now. Yep, yep. Oh man, it should be a fun game to watch. I'm really looking forward to uh, Saturday night. It should be should be fun. Me so, too. Me too. Yeah, luckily there won't be any wins, so hopefully Matt can throw more than three times. That'd be great. He's um, gonna throw for five. Don't worry, they're gonna run all over him. <laughs> In a <all> dome. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never know. They might have the window open and <laughs> they can't throw anymore. <laughs> Turn the AC down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nice, good, Puma, good. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to the five and eight Carolina Pan- Carolina Panthers traveling up to Buffalo to take on the seven and six Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Bills are reeling a little bit. They came off of a loss against the uh, the Buccaneers. Uh, it seems to be a little bit of a blow up at halftime, but they made it a game. Uh, but it seems like this is a must win last time for the Bills. I feel like we say this every week, but it's every week, the last three weeks has been like the Alamo for this team. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you being the resident Bills fan on the podcast, Puma, what's your thoughts on this game? Is this a must win for those guys? I think Buffalo wins. I think it is a must win at this point just because now you're in the hunt and you're the seventh seed if the playoffs started today. Uh, but, you know, you're traveling up to Buffalo. It's the Carolina Panthers. Who knows who's going to be a quarterback because they just seem to be pulling Cam Newton at will and putting P.J. Walker in in the red zone. And it's, it's just a mess up there. Firing Joe Brady did not fix anything. Mm-hmm. D.J. Moore pulled a hamstring. He's day-to-day, but... You know, you look historically at what Matt Rule gives for injury breakdowns. He's always, like, looking through rose-colored glasses. And then, like, you know, the Friday practice, he'll just drop a bombshell and say, oh, this guy's out. Like what he did for about four weeks with with Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, yeah, right. Uh, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Buffalo here, even though Josh Allen is nursing a sprained foot. He's day to day, but again, that might be coach speak at this point. And you know, we were talking about this offline yesterday. Like, as you you were saying that if Trubisky starts, it might as well be you just let you know take Carolina to win outright. I've always liked Mitch Trubisky. I think Matt Nagy kind of mm-hmm. used him wrong mm-hmm. down the stretch. They Looking they try to make Mitchell. Tr- yeah. They, they try to make Mitchell Trubisky a, a pocket passer, and that's not his game, where, you know, if you get him to play Josh Allen-esque off script, off schedule, moving in the pocket, running for the first down, I don't really think this offense takes that much of a hit, even with Emmanuel Sanders being out with a knee. I think you can still find some sort of, you know, continuity with Mitchell Trubisky under center here. Yeah, well, you know where I'm going with this one. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick the Panthers to win here. Um, I think it's gonna be a close game. The spread is ten and a half. Ten and a half. That's way too half. much to lay. <laughs> so I think that, like, at the very least, the Panthers are going to cover that, especially if Josh Allen is either clearly impacted by the foot injury in this game, or if he's outright out. I think if Trubisky's in there, I think that the Panthers have a, a real shot to win, which is why I'm gonna pick them to win. I'm gonna go operate on the assumption that Josh Allen is either going to be severely hobbled or out for this game i mean he did not look right after in that bills game you know kudos to him for gutting it out down the stretch there you know i think his coaching staff really let him down um you know at the end of the game uh you know fourth and goal from like the five they kick a field goal to 
you know, give Brady another chance at some point in overtime. Um, you know, if I was a Bills fan, I'd be really pissed at the coach uh, for just not going for it there and trying to trust the guy that really got you back into the game. Um, you know, so, you know, kudos to him for, you know, gutting that out. But, you know, you could tell he was limping that the rest of that entire game. Um, you know, came out in the press conference with the boot on. Um, you know, the Panthers, uh, who, who knows what to expect out of that team? I mean, you know, Cam Newton, uh, you know, benched. You know, I mean, he threw up another dud of a performance against the um, against the Falcons last week where, you know, he did get benched, but he came back in. They, they seem to be kind of playing uh, the two-quarterback game, you know, as about as unorganized as can be there. Uh, you know, I just uh, – the Bills are, are reeling. They did show a little bit of guts at the end of that that Bucks game, but I, I I make an argument that that the way they lost that game would be more demoralizing than how they lost to the Patriots in Buffalo in the win game. I mean, they they fought all the way back just to have you know Tom Brady, their daddy, just beat them in overtime and you know send them two games back in the division and you know basically having to hope for some help to, you know, win the division and even get into playoffs at this point. So uh, we'll see how they respond on Sunday, but I'm going to go with the Panthers to uh, to cover, you know, getting the 10 points and to win outright. Parker agrees. Go Panthers. Yeah. Yeah, I got the Bills winning this game, and uh, mostly because you can't lose anymore. You've got to win out for the rest of the season. But, you know, I've come to the realization, I was watching this game on, on Sunday against uh, the Buccaneers with the, with the Bills, and... They go down early, 24-3, and it seems like the coaching staff just didn't have that team ready off the gate. And then the second half, you know, I, I've always, you know, had an appreciation for, for Josh Allen. I've come, I keep saying this over and I've come full circle on him. I used to not be a fan at all, but, I mean, the amount of guts and toughness he's shown against the Buccaneers was was spectacular. I mean, he basically single-handedly got them back into the game, and it just seems like he's doing all of it by himself. It seems like his team just, especially on offense, just isn't there with him. And I think with Sean McDermott, we all think he's a decent coach, yeah, sure, but I think it's inexcusable for him to not have his team ready to play against the Buccaneers, and they were down that much. So, Puma, I want to get your take on this because I've been listening to a lot of like you know Buffalo radio the last couple of days just to kind of get a sense of what's happening up there, and a lot of that heat seems to be coming down on Sean McDermott, that coaching staff, and you know where does that lie? Do you think it's more on Sean McDermott? Do you think it's more on Brian Dayball? You know. What, what do you think is the main issue to why they can't seem to get this offense clicking on a consistent pace? Because we all agree Josh Allen isn't the problem here, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I, I think a blame lies on both sides of the fence, especially considering how Dayball going into the offseason was such a hot head coaching candidate. And then it just seems like he's come crashing back down to earth. And I was just thinking about this, too. Like, we saw the Tennessee, the Bills go for it on fourth and goal against the Tennessee Titans. Ever since then, like, has any of you guys seen the Bills really go for it on fourth down ever since? No. Like, I, I don't no, know if that's all, just, no. like, the the coaching staff, like, for some reason think thinking Josh can't do it in that big moment or they're just playing super conservative. But, like, you have Josh Allen. You, you, you paid him a king's ransom and a contract extension. He is your franchise. He just brought you back from a 17-point deficit with, like, what was it, less than 10 minutes left in the third quarter to make it a one-score game, mm -hmm. and you don't have the stones to go for it on fourth down. It, yeah, I, I think they're, you know, the, the head coach does have, a, you know, has the – has the rightful amount of heat on him. And I think it comes down to he's he gets so jazzed up trying to beat Bill Belichick and then trying to beat 
Tom Brady, considering how you know you know how rough it's been trying to beat those guys when they were in your division at the time. Um, I, I just think he gets so jazzed up and focused on that that for some reason the the game planning is lacking, and I don't know what Dave Ball is doing up there to be candid with you. I, I have no idea. Um, they haven't really used Emmanuel Sanders right. For some reason, there hasn't been much of a connection with with Stefan Diggs. I I don't know, but something's something's got to change with the coaching staff. I'm not calling for people's jobs, but like the the training wheels and the kid gloves need to come off now that again we are back in the Alamo. We have to win out to control our fate, and now we're the seventh seed and potentially have to be road warriors to make a run in the playoffs at this point. Yeah, I think by all accounts, it's been so far. A little bit of a failure season for the Buffalo Bills, right? I mean, they started out hot. We all have a Super Bowl teams. Exactly, right? Super Bowl Not team. And now, another two. Okay, everyone but Burge. Yeah, everyone but Burge but the, in the industry. Yeah, exactly. Everybody, everybody in Boston teams. gets a hard on for the Bills losing a game. But, you know, for the most part, most normal rational fans saw the Bills as being a potential Super Bowl team. And at the moment, you know, they're not. They're not even close to being it. Yeah, you'll see spurts. You'll see a second half against the uh, the Buccaneers, or you'll see a blot win against the, uh, I don't know, the Washington football team a few weeks ago. But then you also have those duds like they had against the Jaguars and, you know, losing to a, a team in the, in the Patriots that had a quarterback that threw three times. Like, that's just absolutely absurd. So a lot of a lot of this offseason has to be devoted to probably fixing the run game, you know, week uh, first thing uh, first off the bat. And that can be done fairly easily. You know, you get an offensive lineman, you draft a good running back and you can fix that but you know i think there's more to it than just that i think the coaching in itself and maybe brian dayball is somebody they have to kind of you know sit down with and have a conversation about what the goals are for the team moving forward yeah i mean for me watching that game against the bucks like i i saw them get down to first and goal or whatever it was and you know i i thought the game was over i thought that you know the bucks were going to blow it and that the bills were going to end up winning this game and all of a sudden i see the field goal unit coming out. i'm like what's going on here i'm like that's that's the definition of coaching scared i mean i just said it before but like josh allen in that offense got you there like trust them to just close the game out and don't even risk the opportunity of giving tom brady another chance because we all know what he does with that you know and you know maybe maybe they got a little overconfident with how uh, the bucks had played in that second half where they seemed to take their foot off the gas a bit and you know they weren't moving the ball, and they, you know they were constantly punting, and that, that's why the Bills were in that position to begin with. So I don't understand why they didn't just trust the guy that got you there, like you said, Puma. They just threw a ton of money at him. Trust him, because I'll be honest with you, like if they go forward on fourth down, I think that you know they convert it and they end up winning the game. That that's just my opinion. Um, but you know, on the contrary, we haven't seen Josh <coughs> Allen do that late in the game yet. I mean, he fell flat on his face on the quarterback sneak against the Titans. You know, we we haven't seen it yet, and maybe maybe McDermott was was a little scared to do it, and you know that you know you reap what you sow at that point. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the uh, the final game we're going to preview is the ten and three Green Bay Packers taking on the eight and five Baltimore Ravens. The Packers are coming off of a win against the the Chicago Bears on Sunday night, and the Ravens uh, lose to the Cleveland Browns uh, on Sunday. And the main storyline coming out of that game is Lamar Jackson got uh, was hurt. Uh, he was carted off. Looks like it's an ankle injury at the moment. With the latest information we have, John Harbaugh says he expects Lamar Jackson to be out there to play uh, the Green Bay Packers. So with that being said, Puma, who do you got to win this game? I, I'm going Green Bay. It's just this the, this Ravens team has just been so injury ravaged throughout the whole year. The defensive side of the football, they're not the best tackling team. Their secondary is depleted. 
Um, and you're going up against Aaron Rodgers, fractured toe and all. You know, they they laid a dud against the the Bears in the first half, but they clawed back and they won and they they kind of won convincingly, even though it got a little bit dicey towards the end from a betting perspective. If you were betting Green Bay laying eleven and a half points, but uh, I just have more faith in, in Green Bay taking advantage against the secondary. And you know, they, Harbaugh could say, yeah, it's not a high ankle sprain, but I. I him him being mobile and moving around is going to be compromised. And if he takes a, a hit the right way, he might not make it through the whole game. So um, give me Green Bay. Give me Alan Lazard finding the end zone. Give me Devontae Adams finding the end zone two times. And, and uh, you know, they just keep trucking along and adding, adding wins to being, I believe, the number one seed in the NFC now because of the Cardinals laying an egg last night on Monday Night Football. Uh, but, yeah, just give me give me Green Bay. Lay the points. That's that's my take. Can I give you guys a bold proclamation? Oh, here we go. The Ravens are going to end the season with a six-game losing streak. They lost to the oh. Steelers. They lost to the Browns. This week, they're playing the uh, the Packers. The week after that, they're playing the Bengals. week after that, it's the, it's the Rams. And then finally, close it out with the Steelers. And with just how many injuries... And basically with Lamar Jackson, you know, the way I see Lamar Jackson, if he has a high ankle sprain or low ankle sprain, low ankle sprain it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, I feel like his mobility is going to be limited and he's going to rely on his arm to win the game. And I think that's a recipe for disaster with Lamar Jackson. What makes him so special is the fact that he can take his running ability, pair it up with his, you know, limited to above average throwing skills. And that's what makes him unique. You take the running attack away. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a good day for them at the office, but I think six-game losing streak is on the table here to end the season with just how many injuries they have. And besides the Raiders, this team could be that second team on the verge of collapse as well. I, uh, I'm i right there with you. I can definitely see that happening too. Their schedule you know, is kind of brutal coming down the stretch here. Their team that's reeling kind of in free fall right now. I mean, Lamar Jackson healthy or not, I, I, I would say that that's a, that's a distinct possibility just because of the amount of injuries this team is just sustained and you know they, they just the matchups they they, they they have plenty of bad matchups down the stretch uh in the division that's part of why i said or you know earlier on that that division is just so wide open that you know cleveland can can find a way to, to, to win the division there i have the packers here laying the five points i, I personally I, I i wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of a blowout um Real quick, did you guys hear uh, hear Matt Nagy at halftime? You know, I think they were leading. The oh, he was having so much halftime. fun. He was having so much fun going into halftime, and then his team comes out and just oh my God. comes out so flat. This came out so flat and ended up getting blown out of the building. You know, at that point, I just thought that that was comical. How he's still head coach there is Nagy's a moron. Something else, you know, and um, you know, Justin Fields looks lost. Um, you know, coaching definitely plays into that, but it sounds like it seems like maybe he was a guy that really could have benefited from sitting for a year. Um, yeah, the Bears are a mess, but yeah, I, give me Green Bay to win here. I, I, I think Baltimore is uh, is going to be uh, continuing their free fall going forward. Clean sweep here. Parker takes the Packers. Yeah, nice. And just a quick question to finish this argument: um, If you guys had to pick right now, who do you think is winning that AFC North? Because all four teams. Seem to be in it, but seem to be flawed, right? You got the injuries with the Ravens. You've got Big Ben <laughs> barely able to move, but some, Mm-mm. but some half, name. geriatric Ben, right? Geriatric Ben. He looks, he looks absolutely awful. But then for the second half of the Viking game, he looks like he's playing well again. And then you've got the Browns and their shenanigans, and the Bengals are up and down. I mean, I really can't seem to pick one. Like, I, if I had to guess right now, I guess 
maybe the Bengals, just because I have the most faith in Joe Burrow out of the four quarterbacks, but who knows at this point. I would yeah. lean the Bengals too, but I'm just waiting for the Bengals to get a Bengal moment exactly, the last right? week of the season. Hey, they did it last week. You know, I, I, I'm going to probably pick the Bengals here too. Uh, right now they have the best division record, so if the event mm-hmm. of a tie, you know, that's what you're looking at there. I, It's 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 a cluster. I, but all the teams are – you know, I, I'll make the case that every team in the NFL right now has a flaw that you can, you can beat them. There are teams that obviously have less than others, but this division, all four of those teams I find are – severely flawed and they are very beatable no matter you know you know no matter what week you play them i mean to be honest with you as a patriots fan if i saw any one of those four teams as my first matchup in the playoffs um i'm i'm feeling really really good going into that game yeah it looks like the the bengals remaining schedule is the broncos which should be a win the ravens uh should be a win the chiefs that's going to be the tough one in mm-hmm. uh luckily it's in cincinnati and then the to uh close out the season against the Browns. I mean, they could win three out of those four games and potentially win that division. Um, and, you know, I just, I just, I, I've never seen a division this close before. Like, you really, everybody is just within the game of each other are tied and the last four weeks are going to decide it all and it's just a beautiful time in the NFL, you know? It's like all these games are going to mean so much the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Playoff push, baby. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right, uh, let's get uh, the best bets uh, from Puma. All right, so this week I only got three bets on the board. I'm going to run down them real quick. So uh, right off the jump, I'm going to go the Houston Texans getting four points against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Granted, these are like the two worst teams in the NFL, but I I, I can't see a world where Jacksonville is in anything. There's so much turmoil going on with the team. Urban Meyer is, you know, calling out coaches saying that they're losing not because of him, but because of the assistant coaches. Marvin Jones had to be, you know, basically talked off a ledge earlier this year. James Robinson's clapping back at him in the in the in you know in the press kind of situation. I'll take my chances with Davis Mills and a bunch of KG veterans at this point over the dumpster fire known as the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Indianapolis Colts, uh, I'm laying the two and a half points against the New England Patriots. And the the Chargers getting three points. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with the, the Chargers getting three on Thursday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, let's catch some tickets and see you at the pay window. All right. Um, and then finally, the Fantasy Bulls with Birch makes a return by popular demand. Yeah, so I, I you you want you want to hear a, a devastating beat, you know, in the last week of the season to to miss the playoffs. Oh, I want to hear. So this. my team was, you know, the favorite going into the season. I had, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Devonte Adams, Chris Godwin. My team was stacked. Added Tom Brady midseason. I was like ready to go. Had a nice five game losing streak due to some injuries, bye weeks, and you know, you know, just bad luck. So I go into the final week. I need a win. I need somebody to lose for me to get in the playoffs. I go out and I set a league record for points for in a, in a week. All right. I put up over 200 points in my week, got the win, walked away with it. Piece of cake. The other guy won. The other guy that I needed to lose won by 10 points because the guy that I needed to win decided to start a backup running back in Samaj Pirine over the guy who... Had himself a day in Rashad Penny. 
Rashad Penny plays, I make the playoffs. He doesn't, I miss. So a devastating, devastating collapse for my team. I had very high expectations going in, and uh, now I'm sitting at home watching the playoffs. It's uh, it's kind of a crappy feeling, but consolation to it, uh, I was in six leagues this year. That was the only league I missed the playoffs in. So I got a couple of other uh, leagues, you know, going down the stretch here, trying to uh, you know secure myself some of that cold hard cash uh, to win a championship here. So. You know, I'm looking at matchups going into this week. Um, you know, I have, Jay, you kind of touched on it. Um, you know, it gets the Chargers with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I got him in a few of my teams. I'm going to be slamming him to start here. I think he's going to have a good day. Uh, another guy that I'm really looking out for is Elijah Mitchell. You know, he hasn't been healthy. He's coming. He's a little bit dinged up. I think he's going to be coming back. Um, so hopefully he can get back into the lineup. If he's healthy, he's one that you want to play because he's when he's out there, he's the guy that's getting – he's the bell cow for them. Kind of a guy that kind of came out of nowhere uh, for the 49ers this year, you know, when the you know the, the big name in the fantasy football drafts was Trey Sermon for that team. So, um, you know, that's kind of what you're looking at at this point. You know, you want to play your best matchups. I mentioned it, you know, in the, uh, the Patriots preview that I would fade Michael Pittman this week just because of, you know, how the Patriots play defense. I just, uh, you know, couple that with, you know, how he's been a little bit of a uh, boom-bust candidate uh, over the past few weeks, too. Um yeah, a must-start guy. If you got him on your team, uh, Hunter Renfro. Uh, you know, I played him this week. He was a waiver-wire pickup for me earlier in the season. Uh, he seems to be Derek Carr's, you know, you know, version of Wes Welker out there. You know, he's his, you know, the binky, the safety blanket, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, Darren Waller's not out there. He's getting all the targets. So, um, yeah, those are just a couple of my, you know, guys you want you want to play in your, your playoff matchups. I don't know where you guys are in the uh, – in the fantasy playoff uh, picture. I, I know, Jay, you playoffs. said I snuck you made in. it. I snuck in. Courtesy of the guy who dropped James Carner. Yeah, basically. <laughs> what an idiot. What an idiot. <laughs> all right, let me ask you a couple of questions, all right, because uh, now it's starting to get tense. And this is this is probably what I'm going to lose because now I actually care. Now I'm actually going to be invested. I'm going to start making mm. moves. And next thing you know, I'm going to lose. I started doing much better when I start stopped caring, right? So, all right, I've got two wide receiver spots to fill, and I got three wide receivers on the bench: Hollywood Brown, Michael Pittman Jr., or T. Higgins. Oh, T. Higgins. T. Higgins has had himself. Uh, I think it's two or three games where he he's been a target hawk. He's gone over 100 yards in two of them, scored in two of them. Uh, out of those three, I would. Yeah, you can't trust Hollywood Brown. You know, not knowing what you know where Lamar Jackson's health is, if it's going to be Tyler Huntley back there. And then, you know, more or less what I just said about Michael Pittman. I would play T. Higgins there. I'm going to be playing him this week in my playoff matchup, too. Okay. And then in regards to the running backs, I got both Harris and Stevenson from the Patriots table. Uh, Which one am I leaning towards? I don't envy you. I'll say that. Um, having to well, pick uh, one of the two. Let me, let, me, let me do it this way, right? So I got one flex running back spot, and I got to choose between Chuba Herbert, Stevenson, or Damon Harris. Because I'm definitely starting uh, Najee Harris and James Conner. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You don't bench either one of them. Um, I'd monitor Damian Harris. Uh, you know, he did get, uh, you know, kind of dinged up at the end of that in that Buffalo Bills game. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd monitor his status as the week goes on here. Um, we all know about Carolina and their, their state right now. I know I picked them to win this week. I I don't think uh, last week against the Falcons, Trevor Hubbard did much of anything. Uh mm-hmm. I don't know if you played him or not uh, last week. I'm sure you did. I did play him last week, yeah. I don't, I don't think he was a huge factor. 
Um, he had like nine points. He had like yeah. It's that's nothing. That's nothing. I mean, if you're looking for a floor, I mean, I probably lean Harris if he's healthy and playing because I mean, he seems to be getting uh, you know the first reps. You know, last week uh, against the Bills, the Patriots kind of went away with from what they you know have been doing with the two running backs, where they've been just alternating series out there. Uh, Harris seemed to get a little bit more till he got dinged up. Um, I, I would definitely monitor Harris's injury as you know the week goes on before making a decision on that. All right, I'll well, keep an eye on it. You keep we can talk about it later in the week because was... if if he's healthy, he's probably the one I'd go with. But you know, if he's you know he's still showing any kind of signs of you know being questionable, if he's you know doesn't get any full practices in, that would that would give me cause for concern. Yeah, and the one that really screwed me was the Odell going to the COVID list today because. He's had three Oof. games with the Rams, and all three games he had touchdown. Like it seems like they're they're trying to really find a groove with him. And I was really banking on him playing this week, but it looks like he's probably not going to be playing. It's crazy that you know he gets put on the COVID list a week a day after he was just out on the field and had him stuff a day. It's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Puma in the losers' lounge over there. Lounge? Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, I'm in the losers' lounge. I got the the whiskey ready. It's oh, it's fine. Uh, this is fine. All, all the pain. Are you, are you, are you a quit, quit fantasy football mode like Jay was like a month ago? Nah, nah. I, I love fantasy football. I'm never gonna quit this thing. But nah, it's, a, it's the losers' lounge. I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing for pride at this point. So, yeah, I, I, I just, I'm at the damn the torpedo stage. I even named my football team "Damn the Torpedoes." Uh, so that's that's. <laughs> That's where I'm at in life. Funny story, though, uh, for the ESPN app, apparently damn and torpedoes are banned words. So I had to put, like, asterisk in each word so the algorithm didn't wow. yell at me so I could make the change. So, yeah. Torpedoes? Uh, damn the... Yeah, torpedoes is apparently a banned word on ESPN. Why? I couldn't tell no you. Fun I don't know. No fun league. Yeah, no shit. No, no shit. So... I can understand damn because it's, sw- it's technically a swear word. But torpedoes is just seems a little bit out there. There's far worse yeah. names out there that you see on ESPN leagues than Damn the Torpedoes. Yeah, no doubt. So my team name is Damn the Torpedoes. And my logo, if you guys look it up later, it is the logo for the minor league baseball team, the Norfolk Tides. And it's like a friggin' unicorn that looks, not unicorn, a seahorse that looks pissed off with the trident. <laughs> that's that's my logo. Damn the Torpedoes. Nice. <laughs> wow. Norfolk Tides. That's awesome. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. Hey, right? the last few weeks of my fantasy season where I missed the playoffs, I, na- I renamed my team the uh, Pack of Underachieving Bums because they keep underachieving. The Pack I of used under- to go, Underachieving Bums. I used to go with the annexation of Puerto Rico as my team name when I just didn't care anymore if the season was lost. And, yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, every time I would do that, the team would rally. But, uh, yeah, no, this year it's Damn the Torpedoes. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Uh, you guys have anything else? You guys want to plug it up? Uh, let's plug yeah. it up and get the hell out of here. All right. So this episode of the pod and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. 
on Google. Make sure you hit that little bell button to subscribe. Know when the videos are going to be up and in your feed, ready for your viewing pleasure uh, on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, subscribe, download, do whatever the hell it is you need to do. Leave a five-star review. Helps with the algorithm out in Palo Alto, so we get more exposure to the masses. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast, Twitter at PFR Podcast, uh, TikTok at Pro Football Radio. Uh, be sure to follow, hit us up on TikTok, like the videos. I'm on the Twitter machine, Brando underscore Puma, the captain of the ship, Jay Chima at Jay Chima, and our senior contributor, senior NFL analyst, Eric Burgess, aka The Burge at B R G E, the goalie, uh, is also on the Twitter machine. Be sure to hit us up, follow us on social media, hit us up in the DMs, whenever they are all open. And uh, hope you enjoy the pod and hopefully enjoy another wild week of the NFL and hopefully no more crazy COVID news comes out between now and Thursday and Saturday and Sunday. And Monday. <laughs> and Monday. Well, it'll Tuesday. Be, it'll just be the Patriots luck that Jonathan Taylor gets COVID Friday night. <laughs> yeah, right, no doubt. I mean, the Puma way loses money. Is- I love it. The way this is no, then Naheem Hines goes off. He'll be great. (laughs) The way this season is printing, it's like everything is falling in place for the Patriots, Uh, and it seems like Jonathan Taylor is right for a COVID positive COVID thing. Wow! (laughs) Wow! All right, well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye, Condios.